Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. Lately, when it's come to my video game playing, there is an itch that I have been needing to have scratched. Which sounds really weird, even when I wrote it. No less when I said it, but anyway... I've wanted to play a legit, real-deal, turn-based RPG for quite some time. The Mario & Luigi games were fine, Persona 5 was great, Pokemon is Pokemon, but those weren't very standard or traditional. I wanted something that could be a little more classic. Last year, I think, was the last time I tried playing one of those games. It's when I tried to replay the Game Boy version of Final Fantasy VI wanted to have fun with that game again like I did when I first had the game. But eventually I just kind of stopped. The whole thing just felt a little too archaic for me. I've been spoiled by the comforts of modern games. Final Fantasy VI is very good, but it could stand to refresh itself a little bit. It didn't hold up as much as I wanted. So suddenly I find myself with a little bit of extra cash and a few games on my list that I want to get. I hear about the Octopath Traveler Prologue demo on the Nintendo Switch's eShop. I didn't really give it much thought. It'd been there for a while and I knew about the game, but it just didn't interest me. But for some reason, I eventually decided to go for it. I found out the demo is not only free, but rather expansive and can carry over into your proper save file the same thing Metopia did, and I really got mileage out of that game, so it seemed like all the stars were aligned. Time to go play Octopath Traveler, the prologue demo. And from what I've played, it's pretty good. I'm halfway through the demo's three-hour time limit, and that was already enough to convince me I went and got the actual game. I haven't really done anything with it since then, because I've been a little busy, but I am looking forward to playing the proper game now that it's mine. So what is Octopath Traveler? It's a Square Enix game made by the same team behind Bravely Default. And if my preamble didn't make it clear, it's a throwback to the older RPGs, but with some healthy modernization. A very hat-in-time approach to tackling an older genre, at least by my definition. All the sprites resemble the 16-bit days, but the environments are in 3D, excellent visual effects thrown on, so the game looks fresh, even though it's still got a bit of a retro thing going on. There's also voice acting, very good voice acting at that. And this isn't just another RPG where they decided to kind of pander to the nostalgia. They've actually made sure to put a lot of touches on the system. There's kind of a persona thing going on where there's a system where you have to figure out the enemy's weakness and then you exploit it. If you hit their weakness enough times, they'll be stunned for a little bit, and they'll give you some breathing room, setting them up for an even bigger fall. I'm pretty early into the game, as I've said, but already this invites a fair bit of strategy to the battle. I found myself juggling whether I wanted to use the opportunity to heal, or if I wanted to risk it all and press the attack further. And there's also a thing called the boost system, where if you build up enough power, you can allow your weapon to strike twice. That adds another layer, so I find myself thinking whether I want to use the two hits to whittle down the shields faster, 
or if I want to save it for when they're already stunned and just let the damage pile on. And I'm sure once I meet the other characters and they join me, things will get even more wild. At least, for a guy like me. Also, I want to talk about job points. They kind of let you learn new job abilities, but in any order you choose. But there's the condition that the price gets steeper each time you try to learn a new skill. It's an open form of leveling up that feels very... I don't know if I want to say modern, but I haven't seen it done a whole lot. The only other comparison I can make is Mario and Luigi Dream Team, so... You know, if you've got a classical RPG aping the Mario and Luigi games, you know you're in for something unique. Get to the characters, though. That's one of the big things about the game that they really try selling us on. The game's weird title refers to the fact there are eight stars of this show. All of them have their own paths to travel, their own stories to tell, their goals to achieve. They're all very different from each other, and you start the game by choosing one and going on from there. Your pick will always be in the party, at least as far as I can see, and they'll eventually run into the other seven. I'm reminded of the one of the Mana games. It's mostly referred to by its Japanese title, Seiken Densetsu 3, which had six characters, but only your starter had a storyline. Your second character got hints of a storyline, and the third character was just along for the ride. And there were three recommended pairs of characters, making for three general storylines from the six-character pool. Octopath Traveler does it differently. Despite having you pick one out of eight, everyone gets to have their story. You eventually run into the other seven over time, and you get through their opening acts until you've got the whole gang. Everyone has their own story, like I said. And they also have their own RPG job class and field abilities. So who are the players in this story? I'm going to recite the list from the game's TV Tropes article, probably also mix in some of my own commentary with that. Please forgive any mispronunciations. First up is Ophelia, the cleric. She's a member of the Order of the Sacred Flame. She's going on a pilgrimage to kindle a sacred flame at holy sites across the realm. Her path action is guide, and that lets NPCs follow her, and I think that means that they will also help you in battles and stuff. Her battle talent is summon. I'm not entirely sure whether or not that's connected, because I didn't really play as Ophelia. Next is Cyrus, the scholar. He's a teacher at an academy in a place called Atlas Dam, and he eventually goes on a journey to recover a tome that's got ancient knowledge in it, his path action is scrutinize, which lets him interrogate NPCs. But this is a rogue path action, so he runs the risk of ruining his reputation if he fails. That's the kind of thing. It seems like there are a lot of redundant path actions, but they're either noble or rogue, and each one has their pros and cons. His talent in battle is to study foes, so he's already alert to a player's weakness at the beginning of a battle. Tressa, the merchant. She's a young woman who crosses paths with a traveling merchant and then decides that she wants to explore the world too and enjoy whatever treasures she'll find. Her path action is purchase, which lets her buy items from NPCs, and some of them aren't available in shops. Her talent is eye for money, which lets her find money by simply walking around the overworld. So the talents seem to be unique to each of the eight characters, well, the path actions are generally four different ones, but with two flavors each. Olberic, the warrior, 
He's a former knight, but he's got a lot of angst going on because he wasn't able to stop his old buddy from overthrowing the king that he used to serve. You know, that, that kind of stuff, I suppose. Physical warrior type, since he is a warrior after all. His path action is challenge, which lets him engage NPCs in combat. So you can just kind of go up to anyone and go, hey, fight me, and they'll do it. Some of the villagers are deceptively powerful. His talent, Bolster Defense, lets him protect allies. Primrose, the dancer. She's the daughter of a noble, but he got murdered, and now she works as a dancer because she just really wants to get revenge on whoever killed him. Primrose can buff her allies. And her path action is Allure. It's the rogue version of Ophelia's guide, so she's getting NPCs to follow her along too, but she's got a bit of a different way of going about it. Also has Summon, which is her talent. So I guess she's a lot more like Ophelia than I thought. Maybe not all the talents are quite unique. Like I said, I'm still like very fresh with this game. I don't know all the ins and outs yet, and I didn't pick all the characters. Alfin, the apothecary. Young man works as a traveling doctor in memory of a man who saved him as a lad. His path action is Inquire, which is a friendly version of Scrutinize. In battle, his talent is Concoct, which lets him mix potions together to heal allies or damage opponents. So, like an alchemist type of thing going on. Therion, the thief. He was recruited by a wealthy client to procure a rare set of gems. His path action is Steal, which is like Tressa's purchase, but, you know, he's stealing instead. And his talent is to pick locks. And finally, we have Hanit. The, the one whose name I am most likely to mispronounce out of all eight. She's a hunter who is searching for her master who disappeared while pursuing a beast called Red Eye. Hunnitz, I'm already saying it differently. <laughs> her path action is Provoke, which is a lot like Ulbrich challenging people to battle. This allows her to send monsters into battle against NPCs, so huh, I've, I've seen art of her and she has this wildcat with her. Is she just... Unleashing that on the villagers? That's crazy! Ugh. And her talent is Capture, which lets her tame weakened monsters, and she can use them as assist characters. So yeah, those are the eight different player characters. I didn't get this at first, but the initials of everyone's names, they all spell out O-C-T-O-P-A-T-H. You know, you know Ophelia, Cyrus, Tressa, Ulbrich... Primrose, Alfin, Therian, Hanit, Octopath. Of the eight, I was a little torn over which one I wanted to start with. I eventually settled on playing as Tressa because I really wanted to know what a game starring a merchant would be like. And I never got around to playing Resetir. Also, Tressa's just so lovable, I can't help but want to cheer her on. I'm told she's pretty good, too, from a gameplay standpoint. Not gonna have too much money trouble, I bet. I was also interested in playing as Therian. Before the demo, I only knew about Ulbrich and Primrose. And I knew about Ulbrich challenging random villagers to battles, but... As funny as that was, I didn't get much out of that knowledge. Looks like we've got a pretty diverse cast, though, and I can't wait to meet them all. I'm told that there's not a lot of focus on the inter-party dynamics, which makes a bit of sense given the nature of this game. 
After beating your character's opening act, you're free to wander around the entire world and run into all other seven characters in any order you want. I think Stress's starting position puts her closest to Ulberic and Primrose, so I think I might go after them next. Seems like a game that really invites a lot of replayability. It's kind of like a Link Between Worlds type approach. Or Breath of the Wild. I believe the producer, Masasashi Takahashi, pressing that ten times fast, he sees this game as kind of a kindred spirit to Final Fantasy VI. At least that's what it said on the TV Tropes article. But from what I gathered and what I've played, I can really see the resemblance. It really does fill the void that Final Fantasy VI left after I played it. At least so far. I'm looking forward to playing the full game, especially since I'm told the devs worked really hard to improve on the flaws that people found in the earlier demo. Yeah, there's an earlier demo that came out before even the prologue demo. I think that was the one that had only Ulberic and Primrose. I'm not entirely sure. Regardless, it looks like they really want this game to succeed. and You know, it's getting my attention, and I'm telling all of you about it, so... Before we go, I'm going to talk about the soundtrack. The game's music is good. I need to spend a little more time with it before I can really pick out favorite songs. The soundtrack really does have a lot of character to it, though. The composer of the game is Yasunori Nishiki. I did a little research, and I could not recognize any of the other games he's worked on. He hadn't even done any work on Bravely Default or Bravely Second, at least nothing I could find. But if I hear that he's involved in a game that I'm looking forward to, I'll at least be able to rest easy, knowing that my ears are in for a good time. This game really surprised me, it did. A lot like Metopia. They just lure me in with the free, expansive demo, and then I'm hooked. Definitely can't wait to play more. And, you know, I am totally shilling in this entire episode, and I don't even care. I recommend this to people who want a classical RPG, especially if they haven't really played one in a while. Give it a try. Going to do another episode later on, after I've spent much more time with the game. So we can look forward to my updated thoughts. It would really be awkward if later on I just do an episode was like, Oh, oh, that game. Oh, it didn't, didn't turn out so well. I was in the honeymoon phase all along. I don't know, though. I think I'm going to like it. It's probably going to annoy me a little bit. Especially when I get to Primrose's part of the world, because I'm told it's really difficult. But, hey... I'm still looking forward to the rest of the game. If you want to stick around for me eventually getting to that, then you could consider subscribing to the BitCast on Podcast One or the Podcast One app. The show is also available on iTunes. And do you know what else is available on iTunes? Octopath Traveler's preview soundtrack containing a few, but not all, of the songs. It's worth listening to. In the meantime, I will see you on the next one. Listen to BidCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.